Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Shot, a sports podcast. As usual, I'm JP. I got Hector here on the other line. What's up, Hector? What's up, JP, man? I'm trying to get over this loss that we took yesterday. Man, you know what would help with that? Have you gotten Disney Plus? Have you signed up for that? You know, yet? you know I have. And the first thing I did this morning, I hope my boss isn't listening, but the first thing I did this morning <laughs> while I was working was I watched uh, Johnny Tsunami. Johnny Tsunami. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I did the same thing. I downloaded it and watched it at work. I watched a couple episodes of The Simpsons. I didn't know they're gonna have The Simpsons on there. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, me either. That that's that's funny though, because I, I mean, I guess it makes sense because they own part of Fox, right? Yeah, yeah. I would just. It didn't occur to me that that would happen, but um, yeah. So I'm definitely gonna be benching that for you know the whole freaking library all the way back to freaking 1928 or whenever it started. Oh, dude. But I know. Um, <laughs> I'm watching Brink next. Brink next. <laughs> um, I mean, anything on Disney Plus would have been a lot better to watch than this Cowboys-Vikings game. Oh, my God, I know. And it sucks because we kind of, I mean, to a certain extent, knew that this was going to be a tough one, but I don't think that we should have lost that game. Like, after watching <laughs> it, like, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a good team that we played against, but we should have won that. that. That came down to some bad play calling. It's a constant. It feels like it's been a constant theme of the year. Is that they continue to beat themselves? Is that there isn't really, uh, there haven't been. I feel like among their losses, there have been more games where they blew it themselves, and then they were actually outmatched. Yeah, in true Cowboys fashion, we are, we are the uh, captains of our own ship, and we just seem to keep steering into the glacier. Um, but so the the. The big mistake, I think, was continuing to force feed Ezekiel Elliott, which is it's kind of contradictory, or not contradictory, but it's it's kind of conflicting with what we usually say because we've acknowledged most of the time that when Zeke gets good, gets going on the run uh, or on the ground, I'm sorry, uh, that's when we have our best chance of winning. But it it just you got to take the games on a case by case basis and. On Sunday night, Zeke was not able to find a hole anywhere, anywhere, and it gets to the point to where you're just you're doing it because you you want to force it, and it's not happening. You got a guy who's throwing for 400 yards; he's looking great. Let him keep doing it, or hell, let him take it for for an option and let him run it. But don't. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. I, I don't. I did not understand the play calling there towards the end of the game. He was really off, and it feels like it's he's been off for the past couple weeks. And I saw that he only averaged, I think it was 2.3 yards per rush in this game. Yeah. And uh, he just, um, he's not, he's just not really, I can't tell if this is more about him not being able to find an open, an open hole, or if this is on the offensive line, if they are not on top of their game as they normally are. But that's, you know, that's basically what it came down to in this game is that he just was not able to get anything going i mean dak had a really good game but you know but you know whenever you depend on as whenever you depend on zeke or if you choose to play like you depend on him like they did and it feels like they went to him too many times or was not as um not as creative in getting him going in the offense but yeah when you have that it's they're they're not gonna win they're not gonna win if you know they're counting on zeke and zeke shows up like this yeah, especially when when you just you refuse to do it the other way. Like, I feel like ever since that that one game a couple years ago when it was fourth and one and Garrett decided to pass and then we lost the game because of that. I feel like ever since then he's been taking it all to heart and now he's just gonna show us that it's not always that it's not always one way. You can't always just run it, run it, run it. And and he's tr- kind of trying to prove us wrong there. But I really, really hope. I, it sucks because, I, like I said, I, I don't believe that we'll get rid of him. Our best shot at getting rid of him is not making the playoffs, and I really don't want to do that. I feel like this is our best chance at it. This is the best chance that we've had in a, two decades maybe to make it uh, further than any any time we have. Um, but he kind of – it feels like he goes into games already deciding what he wants to do and not taking it like play-by-play play or quarter-by-quarter. Quarter. It feels like he's – he goes into a game deciding what the game plan is and sticks to it no matter what. Yeah, right? Like, he has no kind of, like, pivot. And and actually, I think 
I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was this game. I had read something that he had started calling the plays, like halfway through the game instead of uh, instead of Kellen Moore. Uh huh. And you, you can't do that. I mean, you have him there for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it was going well. Like, we went. I think we were down early, but we always are down early, and we just weren't able to close it out this time. And it should have been, should have gone the other way. Now we're in a tough predicament. Uh, we have. The Eagles were on their bye week, so they were able to just sit back and let us beat ourselves. And um, this week we have uh, the Lions in Detroit. They haven't been doing too hot, but the Cowboys and the Lions is usually a pretty pretty well-contested game. Uh, the only thing good that we have going for us is that the Eagles uh, are up against the Patriots this week. So we'll see how that plays yeah. out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so right now they're tied, and I guess um – but Dal- Dallas is still technically in first because of their divi- their interdivisional lead. Is that how it goes once you're tied? Like, uh, what, what is the fir- what is the first tiebreaker that they go to when a team when two teams are tied? The first tiebreaker is their head to head, which right now we've only played one time, but we did beat them. Yeah. So right okay. right now we hold the tiebreaker. If for some reason we were to be tied at the end of the season, then you go to interdivision record. Uh, okay. And then you go to points, I think, after that or something like that. But but um, okay. yeah, I mean, and the good thing for us is that there's no way I don't. Well, I guess no. It's gonna be tough because I'm pretty sure the Eagles have or are going to sweep the other part of the division too. Like we swept the Niners. I mean, the Redskins and the Giants, and we have one yeah. win over the Eagles. I'm sure that they're gonna end up with five interdivision wins also. Yeah, I would think so too. So and, so, and we have like equally contested schedules coming into the end of the season. I think we have a harder one than they do by a game or two. It just depends on how the Bills come into week 13. Luckily, that's at home for Thanksgiving. Um, and the Rams are looking like trash, so hopefully we can we can notch that on the W belt too. Um, so with um, I, I do think that one thing to take away from the game was that I, I keep coming back to this like every episode but I feel like Dak just keeps more and more cementing his status as just like an all around great quarterback in the league now I don't know where he would rank among overall quarterbacks but I mean he's showing more and more he's he's shaking off the the doubts that people had about him early on in his career because I didn't think he had this high of a ceiling <coughs> and um, he's continuing to put up numbers that are you know among you know the league leading quarterbacks he's second in passing yards third in passing touchdowns first in QBR um, you know he's doing all the things that you know you could pretty much ask for out of a quarterback and um, it feels like. It feels like, if anything, like he is a foundational piece that they can continue to rely on, whereas the other ones are kind of, are kind of sink or swim. You know, whether it's receiving, whether it's protection, whether it's Zeke. And I don't think Dak has really had a bad game this year. Yeah, no, he hasn't had he. I, to my knowledge, he hasn't had a game where we could say, "Okay, he's the problem. We need to get rid of him." Um, no, and, and that uh-uh. and that that's almost like total in his career. He hasn't really had a glaring game where we're thinking that we need to move on from him. Like no matter what happens, he is the yeah the stability in our team. Like he's been he's been there doing what he does, win or lose. Like he's he's cool, calm, and collected when he comes to step out steps out on the field. Class act, the guy. Um, he definitely is is earning his paycheck, I believe, and. Uh, and I, I don't I don't see a missing piece in this offense. I really don't understand. Like it's not something that we can point to and say, Oh, that guy, we gotta get a we gotta get better at this position or better at that position. The only thing I can think of is is Jason Garrett. But Dak Prescott, for those of you who are upset if you have any if you think you have any reason to be upset, Dak Prescott is not the reason why the Cowboys have lost this game or any other game. Like, he's not. He's he's exactly what we would want in a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next week we got the Lions, and 
it's, I mean, I don't think any game really is a must win until, you know, you're facing elimination or, you know, elimination from playoff contention, but I would feel a lot more comfortable about their future prospects if they were able to go to New England the following week with this game in the bag. Yeah, absolutely, and and especially because, the, yeah, the Eagles have the Patriots this week, but the Eagles aren't, uh, they're no bums either. Like, they, they will put up, they play to their competition, so Carson Wentz in particular plays to his competition, so he's going to go up against Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's going to let him have it, and Carson Wentz is just going to blow right back at him. So we're hoping for a Patriots win, um, and, and I you have to assume that they're going to because the Patriots are coming off a loss right now. And they are not mm-hmm. going to take that lightly. So we need to capitalize on this and then assuming that the Eagles will lose to the Patriots. That way we have a kind of a better standing when we go to New England the very next week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So um, the Lions, how are the Lions doing? What's their, what's their, oh, they're three and five right now. But I feel like that's more of a deceptive uh Record. I feel like some of those games have been close and could have gone either way. I think they could easily be 500 or above 500 right now. And they also have a tie. So Yeah, they have um, a tie that, that they were blowing the Cardinals out. I think that was week one or week two. And then the Cardinals yeah. just like miraculously came back. So that should have been a win. They lost to the Packers because of a bad call. That should have been a win. They have a couple of games where they lost by three points or less. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, they're, it's a it's a really good team. They're not doing great right now, but they they are a good good uh, group of talent. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the okay. o- the other thing is that we we have like we said like well actually we'll talk about that in the playoff picture, but we have to stay as far ahead of the Eagles as we can because whoever wins this is going to the playoffs, and whoever comes in second is is going home. There's no wild card coming out of the NFC East this year. No, I don't think so either. So up against the Lions. So what? What? Do, how do? You, how do you think they're going to respond against Detroit? I think we take the win. Um, I think it's. I, I I just feel like it's going to be a lot, a lot better for us than we think. I I have to assume, and go back on past history. Uh, we always duke it out with these guys, and and it's a it's a nitty gritty game against the Lions every time. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like we're going to respond the right way. I feel like Zeke is furious that he didn't even reach the 50-yard mark. Um, Randall Cobb mm-hmm. is coming into his own with the Cowboys. Amari Cooper is a superstar this year. It's ridiculous. And, he really uh, is. And and I think, I think we're going to respond correctly. Oh, and also, actually, let's not forget this little tidbit of information. Uh, Matthew Stafford has a broken back. Yeah, there's that too. So That's... we, if we're if we're gonna beat them anytime, it has to be now. Like we ha- we have to get this win. Yeah, we really do. I think uh, it's gotten to the point where I mean they've had their they've had their mulligans. They had the that Jets loss. They had this game, which wasn't really much of a. I mean, credit to Minnesota, but like you said, this was a game that they should have won. They've had their they've had their games too. They've had their games to blow, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so now they really need to take things seriously because, I mean, you lose this game, you go into New England with a 500 record. That's no good at all. Yeah. Yeah, and if and if the Eagles win in New England or win versus New England this week, you can forget about it. Like, that's because we have such a tough schedule coming up. Yeah. Yeah, so probably next week is probably the most um, pivotal week thus far in the Cowboys season. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Okay. All right then. And so um, the other team that I wanted to highlight was because um, I don't really. I wanted to ask you um, at, at what point do we take Ryan Tannehill and the Titans seriously? <laughs> I, they 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 just beat the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes comeback. Who I mean, Patrick Mahomes was amazing. He looked like you know prime Patrick Mahomes again. Mm-hmm. But uh, shit, man, Derrick Henry, 188 yards and two touchdowns. And Ryan Tannehill, who, you know, did not have the most amazing stat line, but, hell, he's led them on multiple game-winning drives this season already. Mm. So, we, I mean, it's been the same story with the Chiefs all year, though. The Chiefs do not have a great defense. I mean, their defense has been letting them down from day one. Patrick Mahomes throws for 446 yards, 
three touchdowns, no interceptions, and you're telling me that they lost that game to the Titans? The, yeah. the big difference is uh, Derrick Henry had, what would you say, 180-something yards, 100-whatever? Yeah, 188 yards 188 for two touchdowns. Yards. That's more than twice as much as the entire rushing attack from the from the uh from the chief side of the ball or or right around twice because Damian Williams was their leading rusher with 77 yards then their mm-hmm. second leading was Sammy Watkins their one of their receivers he had 12 yards oh really yeah so that's well 89 plus 9 98 yards yeah no that's more than double the entire team of the chiefs mm-hmm. had. Um, and, and when the Chiefs can't get – and it was the same story with the Texans. Whoever got the ground game going was going to win that game because the Chiefs are a passing attack and, and they don't have a great defense. Now, when the beginning of the year, we we spoke very highly of the Chiefs. And, and really, I still do. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. You still got to be uh, worried about the kid when you're on defense. But mm-hmm. – but and it was pointed out to me after our first episode or second uh, – Whichever it may be, Stephen had said that we severely undermined, underestimated the uh, Ravens when we said that it was probably going to be the Patriots and the Chiefs hands down in the AFC. Whoever wins that oh, game yeah. is going to come out. He was like, "Nah, bro, it's going to be the Ravens. Don't count them out." And honestly, I'm still not counting them in the AFC Championship. Um, but the Ravens have been have been hitting their stride lately, and if the Chiefs. If the Chiefs don't step up, they might even lose their top spot to the Raiders. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I had is that right now they are just a half game up on them. It's because Raiders have already had their bye week. Um, they've won two in a row, and of course Kansas just lost this game. Um, yeah, I don't expect them to lose their spot to the Raiders, but I mean... There's not that many games left. I mean, it's the end of the season is going to come sooner than we realize. And this would be a good time to start, you know, solidifying your place in the playoff picture. Yeah, the so the Chiefs have six games left. One is in New England against the Patriots. Two are against the Chargers, the first of which is on Monday, and that's not a home game, but it's an away game for both teams, really, because they're playing in Mexico City. Um, then they play the Bears defense at home. And they play the Raiders, who, who, I mean, there's not really much else to say that we haven't said already. The Raiders have been hot for the past few weeks, whereas the Raiders have seven games left, but they play the Bengals, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Chargers, and the Broncos. Like, they have... Man. Yeah, they have... I'm telling you, they got one of the easiest schedules left in the in the season, so the Chiefs need to watch out. The Raiders have already played the... Um, Wait, did they play the Patriots? Did the Raiders play the Patriots? Wow, they didn't. Did they? No, they didn't play the Patriots. Um, but they won't play the Patriots, whereas the Chiefs will. Okay. So that's the, the big, big one right there because um, both teams have divisional matchups still lingering, but the Raiders only have two, one with the Chiefs, one with the Chargers, and the Chiefs have, I think, three or four where they mm-hmm. still have to play divisional matchups. Um, and we all know that those are no – no uh, pushover games. So the Chiefs got to watch out, man. They, they are a half game ahead, um, but the Raiders have a, a, a way easier schedule coming up. Um, should we be including Tennessee in the conversation for AFC South winner? Or is it too early for that? Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, – I think – oh, man, I don't know. That's I'm looking at the division right now, and that's a really tight race. Texans six and three, Colts five and four, Titans five and five, and the Jaguars four and five. But the Jaguars are getting Nick Foles back, yeah, um, or have gotten Nick Foles back. I think he played this week. Um, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So no, I guess nobody should be counted out. But if I'm going to say two teams in that division make it out, it's going to be the Texans and the Colts. Jacoby Brissett will be back if he's back. Then the Titans are. I'll count them out. If Jacoby Brissett doesn't come back, then yeah, I'll say. Titans could get a wild card spot, but uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not ready to to crown them king of the division yet. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Um, anything else you want to cover before we hit up uh, fantasy football? You have anything more on that? Um. So the NFC. Let's go over the uh, the big game in the NFC that happened, which was the best game of the season so far, and the game that we called would be game of the week this week. 
the uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers. Did you watch that whole game? I did not watch the whole game. No, I had to miss it. Dude, I, I, it, didn't, it went until like 11-something, I think. It was a phenomenal game. I watched – that's one of the only games that I can say f- like with complete certainty this year that I watched every play start to finish. It was an awesome game. And mm-hmm. the uh, – I don't know if you remember or not, but my predicted score for that game was Seahawks 28-24, to and it ended up being Seahawks 27-24. to yeah, uh, I was off yeah. by one fucking point, but I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. <laughs> but that game was amazing, dude. It was uh, the Niners. We knew, we knew it. We knew that the Niners weren't going to come in and steamroll the Seahawks. And and uh, and Russell Wilson is a grown ass man, dude. That guy. They won the coin toss, got stopped in overtime, had to punt it twice. They had to get rid of the ball twice, or I think they might have fumbled it one time. The Niners had two chances to score. Missed a field goal mm-hmm. and then had to turn it over. It was ridiculous. The Seahawks came in. They did what they do best. <laughs> and honestly, the Seahawks are only a half game behind the Niners right now. So I know we talked about the AFC playoffs. In the NFC, the Seahawks are probably going to take that. They might take that that top seed in the NFC West from the Niners. They're very, very close. Yeah, just a half game behind now. And um, either way, both of them... <clears throat> Both of them probably make it into the playoffs. I don't see any, either of them falling out of it. But um, Oh, yeah, they'll yeah, both so. make it. It's going to be – I think the wild card is going to come out of the NFC West and the NFC North. The Vikings look like they'll take the second wild card. Mm-hmm. And we saw um, Josh Gordon's debut. I mean, he didn't have um, much of an outstanding line, but he was uh, two receptions for 27 yards. And, yeah, if they're able to – I mean, we talked all about this last week. If they're able to get him more incorporated into the offense, this could be a lot more trouble than it seems like right now. Yeah, and Tyler Lockett had to come out of the game with an injury, so there's more targets opening up for him. And the big thing with – I know it was only two for 27, but the big thing is when those two for 27 came. Josh Gordon was wild, or widely um, ignored by Russell Wilson throughout the game, but when it came down to it in overtime in the fourth quarter and whatnot – um, at the end of the game, when he needed somebody to go to because they were struggling, they couldn't get that first down, he went straight to Josh Gordon. And he didn't go to a wide-open Josh Gordon. He went to a Josh Gordon who was covered or double-covered. And uh, mm-hmm. and Josh came up big. You know, Yeah, it was only two, but it was two very meaningful catches. Uh, the other guy with, with the Seahawks, which I'll talk about again later, is their, their new tight end that Jacob Hollister was really, really relied on this game. And, uh, and if he can get clicking with Russell Wilson, Josh Gordon can get clicking with Russell Wilson. I still, I still think that the Seahawks are my favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. At, well, no, are one of my favorites to make it to the NFC Championship up against the Saints. Who that loss this week? Don't let it stray you. That was an anomaly. They, everybody has those down games, and they just happen to lose to a divisional rival. Mm-mm. And that was to the uh, Falcons. Falcons. Yeah, Falcons. they lost to the fucking bum ass Falcons. Yeah, so Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn still has his job, right? So yeah, he's he still to, there. He gets to hang on to it for one more week at least. He's hanging on by a thread, though. He knows. He needed that yeah. win. Yeah, he really did. That's 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 uh, as moral of a victory as possible because he uh, definitely needed that or else he'd be out of a job right now. Oh, yeah, instantly. Yeah. Okay, all right then. Um, you want to move on to fantasy? Yeah, so uh, the, the big, I guess, star – the not shining star, but like the undervalued star was, like I said, Jacob Hollister, the tight end for the Seahawks. That guy dropped 20 points. Um, he's scored three touchdowns in the last two games, I think. And and one of them was in overtime this year. Or, I mean, one of them was in the fourth quarter this week. And then last one, last week he had the game winning touchdown. So keep an eye on Jacob Hollister. If he's um, available in your leagues, I would drop a spare player that you have, pick him up. They're on bye week this week, so you might be able to get them and sneak them under the radar. Um, but Jacob Hollister looks like the new Will Disley in Seattle. And especially if Tyler Lockett is out, he's going to be a, a really hot commodity the next couple weeks. Let me see. Let me see if uh... – oh, shit. Yeah, somebody already picked him up. Damn it. <laughs> and they, they picked him up today. Damn it. I could have gotten it. Yeah, we should have recorded this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right then. Um and so how did how did your team fare? I won. I finally won. So I won by like 8 points I think or something like that. But the so the league that I'm in, the top 3, there's three 
tied at the top at eight and two. And then the next, uh, let's see, three, the next eight, I mean, the next five are tied at five and five. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, or sorry, it's four at five and five. And then one lone player has four and six. And then the bottom four that are outside of the playoffs right now are tied at three and six. Two of them play each other. One of them plays me and the other one plays somebody else. But the the thing is, all seven spots are gone, are taken up for the playoffs. That eighth seed could go to any of those five teams that are fighting. Yeah. They're fighting for playoffs <laughs> or last place. Like it's there's no in between for them. So it's gonna get real, real dirty in in the league that we're in now. But I'm sitting right now at the seventh seed, so with a hope seventh to jump seed. up to the fourth this week. Let's see. Yeah, right now uh, I am in a mix of people who are five and five, and right now I am in fifth place. And uh, did, coming off a loss, though, I lost because it was really more because that my opponent really showed out. He had Derrick Henry from Tennessee, and he also had Baltimore defense, which stomped all over Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and um, I have, um, I really lack in players who are, like, explosive and who can really go off. I have guys who, you know, for the most part, meet their projected expectation, but nobody who can really you know, pop off, like, you know, just like how the guys on my opponent's team did this past week. It was, you know, guys like Matt Ryan, Odell Beckham, uh, Michael Gallup actually had a really good game and exceeded his, his, um, projections. But, um, yeah, no. Biggest disappointment of the week. I don't know if you saw, but Saquon Barkley had one yard. (laughs) He had one rushing yard. Yeah. Didn't he, did he leave the game or was that just what he, Oh no, he, he played. (laughs) <laughs> oh my he, god! He was in. The, <laughs> he had 13 rushing attempts for one yard. Because I saw too that they were. I don't think that they're gonna do it, but I saw that there was some conversation about whether or not they would just shut him down and accelerate the tank. Which yeah, I, I, which, I don't think they're gonna do. But I that is what that. they should do. That is what they should do. But Pat Shermer came out and said that they were not gonna do that. That they weren't gonna shut him down. And realistically, they still have a chance to win the division too. We're I mean, we and the Eagles are tied at five and four, and the uh, the Giants are two and eight. So, in reality, they could come back eight and eight, and uh, and possibly if we stink it up the rest of the year, um, they could take it. They're not going to, but it's it's yeah, a, it's a that's possibility. A, that's a that's a huge stretch. Yeah, that would take like every like worst case scenario for Dallas and Philly, and then best case for New York. Yeah, and which is why I think Shermer is saying right now he's saying we're not going to shut him down. We're not going to shut Saquon down. But two or three more losses, maybe two more losses, and and that's it. He'll be done. I I think anyways. That should be what what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, before we get into basketball, what do you have as game of the week this next week? My game of the week is going to be let's, let's see, we see. got we got Texans Ravens we got Patriots Eagles what else we got we got Chiefs Chargers no my game of the week is going to be Texans Ravens for sure Texans these, Ravens these two guys these two quarterbacks are carbon copies of each other it's just that Lamar Jackson came one year after actually they might have come out the same year they did come out the same year. <laughs> uh, yeah, these guys are carbon copies of each other. They're amazing, amazing quarterbacks with pretty good defenses. Um, the Baltimore Ravens have the upper hand on that defense, I think, on that front. Plus, they'll be playing in Baltimore in the middle of November. So it's going to be cold. Um, uh, but the Texans are rolling. The Ravens obviously are rolling. They're coming hot off of a, off of a win with the Patriots. It's a very... Um, pivotal matchup for the Texans because of their standings uh they could get overrun by the uh, by the Titans as we were mentioning earlier mm-hmm. the the Ravens I don't think they're not realistically technically they are in danger of losing their seating but not realistically the, the Steelers are two and a half games behind them so it, it probably won't happen but but hey the Steelers have been performing too so but the Texans are playing to keep their top seed as well um, and it's just, I mean, there's really not much more to say, but Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, two of the highest scoring offenses that we can see, two of the most mobile quarterbacks. I know everybody has seen by now that highlight of Lamar Jackson putting the spin on, on like <laughs> six defenders. <laughs> and he ran for like 49 yards and a touchdown. That kid is phenomenal. 
Yeah, that was really bad. Like, man, that was just... Uh, that was, like, perfect juke. Like, perfect Madden 2019 juke. And just, like, you get her just at the right spot. Yeah, yeah, you're breaking your controller on something like that. <laughs> and, and, and on the other side, on the opposite end of the field, is going to be Deshaun Watson, who can who is very capable of doing the exact same thing. And I think... I haven't looked at the stats, so this is purely off of, like, just remembering and stuff. I, I think Deshaun Watson probably has a better arm, a, a, a slightly better arm than Lamar Jackson, and he has a lot more weapons on the receiving court. I think he's getting Will Fuller back this week, mm-hmm. um, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins is top five receiver in the league right now. So this mm-hmm. is going to be a really, really good game. Uh, it's an, It might be another one that comes down to the run game, and if it does – I'm taking the Ravens uh, because not even because of their running back, just because of their quarterback. D- Lamar Jackson is is a force with his legs. Um, so I think the Ravens take this game. I think it's going to end up – I would say it's probably going to end up uh, 30, <laughs> 31-28. 31-28 in favor of? In favor of Baltimore. Baltimore. Mm, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna side with Steven and say that I think you're you're undercutting Baltimore a little bit more. I'm gonna say Baltimore by ten. Wow, Baltimore by ten. Well, their over under is fifty points, so that's uh, that's one of the higher over unders of the week. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to ask you a real quick question: Who do you think does have the highest over under of the week? If fifty is not the highest. Oh shit! Let me see. Let me let me look at uh You're talking about scores combined, right? For yeah, yeah, sorry, it is? yeah. For for those of you who don't know, yeah, the over under is a total score combined for both teams. Uh, I'm gonna say that it is. I'm gonna say that it's Chiefs Chargers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you'd be correct. the The Chiefs Chargers over under is 52 points, and the it's, Chiefs are only favored by four, so they're mm. they're assuming it's gonna be a. What, 26, 22, somewhere around there, 28, 24? 28, 24. That sounds about right. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad. And Vegas is assuming that the Ravens will win 20, 25, 20, I don't know, 28, 24, or something like that also. Okay. 27, 23 is what they're assuming. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, then. Anything else you want to touch on? Uh, No, no, I think that's it for fantasy. I mean, for football this week all right so moving on now to the nba where the spurs um still work in progress is what i have down because this is they're still working out some kinks and have already had some games that um i can't tell if these are games that we should be truly disappointed for losing or if these are games that should make us think that we should recalibrate what we think of the Spurs team right now because in the past week I mean we talked about the team going 4 and 0 or 3 and 1 and they went 1 and 3 beating the Thunder but losing um to Atlanta, Boston and Memphis. And um this is it, I mean it's frustrating to watch because it's starting to feel it feels like a stagnant team. It feels like um and I think I had talked about it last week and um, I think it still rang true this week, is that we have to start um, considering what is the end game for DeRozan, for DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, because they are... I mean, it's gotten pretty clear-cut that we need them both to have good games, or, like, as soon as one of them has an off game, we can pretty much write that off, because it's becoming a lot to overcome. Um, in this game, uh, let me see, in this game against Memphis, DeRozan fell flat in the second half, only scoring two points, and then the losses to Boston and Atlanta, Aldridge had 14 against Atlanta, and then just three against Boston. Um, I don't know, what, what, what are your, what are your thoughts so far on the, um, the DeRozan and Aldridge pairing so far this year? I, I like, I really, really like both of them. I know that, I'm not trying to, it's not a scapegoat or anything, I really do like both of them, but... And I've liked this guy since he was in his previous team. I've liked him a lot. I've I speak it all the time. I always thought that he was a star in his old team, not the point guard. But I think I 
I, I think, and I feel bad saying it, but I think the best route is to is contractual obligations aside. I think the best route is probably to trade Demar, because I mean you're right. One of them is off, and and we're boned. And right now we have a, a minutes restriction still on on Dejounte Murray. I play I think the game against the Grizzlies. He only played like 19 minutes, and he had yeah. what like four points or something like that. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, I think he had foul trouble too in that game, which makes it made it even worse. And he's a lot, and we know it's not a question of is he good enough. Like we know he's much, much better than that. But these kids aren't going to have time to really mesh together the way that they should when one of them is constantly having to get back and go back on the bench. Derek White's playing twenty nine, and he's Derek White is being consistent at least. He's not, he's not having superstar uh, games, but he had fifteen against the against the Grizzlies. Rudy Gay twenty seven minutes, eighteen points, like. DeMar, whereas DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are playing 33, 35 minutes. Um, and, and yeah, we're giving them we're, – we're kind of putting it in their hands. Like, okay, well, y'all go ahead, and we're, we're trusting you guys to do this. And when we do that, we're taking away time from our young core, and we're taking mm-hmm. away time from, from the build – from the rebuild, I guess. It's, so, I, right now, I think the best plan of action probably, if we're not planning on re-signing him anyways, is to, is to trade DeMar and try and get somebody – somebody another big man or, or whatever it is you think that we need and um and w- it, it's not even necessarily that i have that much of a problem with the team choosing to uh, depend more on demar and lamarcus but it's that they really for being the leaders of the team they still um like i don't think they take control as often as they should i mean like that single win that we had came against okc and that was a game that lamarcus had 39 points like um and he shot in, I think he was like 17 for 21 in that game like and like they, these guys need to put up shots they need to just you know for as much as the Spurs culture emphasizes ball movement and you know continuing to pass until finding the open shot sometimes you just got to take it and just say fuck it you're going to drive into the lane you're going to you're going to post up whoever's on you you're going to find the mismatch and you're going to go for it but we don't see that that often out of Tamar and Lamarcus, and I'd say, and I, I I agree with you that if if someone were to go, it should be Demar because I think, I mean, I am I mentioned it last week that you know I want to see Derek White get more minutes. I would rather you know if you know in a nutshell, I think the team would be better off giving Derek more minutes than Demar because um, Demar still isn't shooting threes. We were told at the end of last season that Demar was going to focus on threes, and even in preseason he shot a few of them. But still hasn't made any in the regular season, so he does. He's not, and you know, as much as I don't like the culture now of just like needing to shoot threes after threes after threes, you need to be able to at least have that as a weapon. And Demar just doesn't. And whenever he, you don't have that, and he's constantly needing to be saved on defense. You know, he's not. You know, he's not the worst. You know, he's not like James Harden level terrible on defense. But um, you know, he's. It's very clear to me that he is one of our weaknesses on defense. And if they're not going to resign him, then yeah, we need really need to think about moving on because. And I would rather that come sooner than later because I want to see the younger guys get more minutes. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's driving me. I mean, it's not all on DeRozan, but it's driving me crazy that Lonnie still is not getting that many minutes. We might as well start a drinking game with Lonnie Walker watch because you know, yeah, because like I don't know I don't know when he's going to be able to get a consistent amount of minutes. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just been strange. I feel like and it, and it has to be I'm sorry I don't mean to cut you off but it, it it's got to be cuz you said that DeMar was the, the 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 his defense was a kind of a weakness there and I have to assume looking at these scores and I, I mean I'll admit I haven't seen every single game but looking at these scores I have to assume that the defense is the problem cuz you mm-hmm. shouldn't lose a game when you're scoring 115 points you know mm-hmm. but the Celtics are dropping 135 on you the Grizzlies 113 you know the yeah. Hawks, one hundred eight. They they shouldn't be. They it, even the Warriors, a hobbled Warriors, dropped one hundred and ten points. Like the defense has to has to get better. And we've always been, yeah, we've been a the beautiful game ball movement. But we've always been a very strong defensive team. And yeah. uh, and we got to do whatever we have to do to fix that hole. Yeah, I do, and I don't think that I just don't think it's gonna happen with Demar around. Like I think Demar already is who he is, and we can't expect much more out of him. And 
I mean, he's he's been... I mean, overall, he's still a really good player. He's been a good sport about being traded here. Uh, but I just... I just don't like the fit. I think he needs to go. And, um... I don't know. He really needs to turn things around to really make us think about whether or not he should stick around long term. And, I mean, just due to the nature of his contract, we really need to figure that out sooner rather than later because he's going to be a free agent next summer. Do you want to... And I I would rather not lock him into an extension, but, you know, that's, the team has to make that decision if you want to extend him. And if not, then, you know, might as well trade him and get some assets in return for him. So who, who if you were thinking, if RC came up to you and said, hey, we're thinking about trading DeMar, who would you advise to look at? Um, for sure, the person that I tweeted about this week, which was Aaron Gordon. I have been a long-standing fan of Aaron Gordon, uh, power forward from the Orlando Magic. I think he's one of those guys who has not been in the greatest situation, and he, I think he's someone who can just take off whenever you know, he gets out of Orlando. Because Orlando, for the past, I don't know how many years, has had a problem with not enough shooting and like a real glut in the in the big man uh, position you know he's fighting with like six other guys for minutes because they have their awkward their roster so awkwardly put together and i think if he was traded to a team where he can clearly be the guy where i mean you know i know lamarcus is our power forward but i mean you could just easily change him to center and put in aaron gordon as our starting power forward and that not only adds a huge um um, not only gives our defense a much bigger advantage because Aaron Gordon is one of the best defenders in the league, and um, he's also extremely athletic and can really mix things up on offense. And another reason why I would want someone like him is because DeJounte really needs somebody to run with on offense. Like, the team has, you know, spiked up their pace and spiked up their transition opportunities, and that's because of DeJounte. And if we can have somebody to run with him, like Aaron Gordon, I mean, hell, I'm. I would be dying to see, you know, just Dejounte to Aaron Gordon alley oops on a regular basis. Oh yeah, that'd be kind of electrifying. I mean, this is a guy who's perennially in the dunk contest. Yeah, um, since he's come into the league. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't, I don't view. And this is just me because I'm a more, I'm a more casual fan of the entire NBA. Like, I'm a diehard Spurs fan, but I'm more casual on the entire NBA. Um, but I don't view... Or when I hear the name Aaron Gordon, I obviously know who he is. Um, but I think, like a lot of other people, I don't hold... It doesn't hold the same magnitude as DeMar DeRozan. Um, but if his defense is what you say it is, um, and then combined with the youth and the ability to go with, with DeJounte, I would be... I would... I think I might want maybe a little more but like a little more in a package but i would be willing to get rid of of demar for something like that for a defense of that magnitude mm-hmm. okay all right then so um for the next week um it's just about as challenging if not more challenging of a week this week because we got a uh, wednesday night in minnesota friday in orlando Saturday at home on the second half of a back-to-back against Portland, and then Monday in Dallas against the Mavs. Oh. I uh, say they they have to take that Magic game. I'd be disappointed if they don't take the Magic game. Yeah. And then um, the Wolves. Wolves as a whole are not intimidating, but they got Carl Anthony Towns, who's on an MVP campaign right now because this mm-hmm. guy's putting up insane numbers. And Andrew Wiggins is finally looking like a good player. Who knows if this will keep up, but... I don't know about that. And then, uh, I mean, he's he's good. He's he's been good in spurts. He just never keeps it up. But I like yeah, Wiggins. And so uh, again, and then so they got Wolves, Magic, Portland, Dallas. Um, I don't know. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna say two and two. Yep. With their with their uh, wins coming against um, the Magic and the Blazers. Oh wow! Really on a back to back? Yeah, I think they just. I think they just. Um, Portland, I'm not so confident in this year, and they're also having some injury troubles. If the um, this is the time to you know take advantage of that because this is going to be the Spurs can't really sacrifice any wins like with um, in previous years we could just like 
chalk up a few mulligans on their record, but this is a this is a season where they really need to take advantage of these games where it's there for the uh, for the taking. And I think Magic and Portland are those games. And I think they yeah I think they um, Wolves stay hot tomorrow night, and then the Mavericks. I mean I'll get to it later, but they have Luca and Chris Porzingis and man. God damn it! I'm 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 so mad that Luka Doncic not only number one is on the Mavericks and number two is not on the Spurs. Yeah, because I mean it was it was never talked about. It was never like a substantial report or rumor. But the year that they were trading Kawhi, I really wanted them to trade Kawhi for the top pick to get Luka. That and, uh, that would have been. Poor NBA. That would have been something. God, they would have been they would have been screwed already. God, this Luca and Dejounte. God, that would have been amazing. Well, I'm also going two and two, but I think it'll come on the first half of that of this four four game leg. I think they take the one with Minnesota, and then they take the one with Orlando, and then they just suffer the fatigue and the minute restriction on the back to back, and uh, lose to the Trailblazers, and then just. Just nothing against our Spurs, but Luca is a, a superstar right now. I don't think that they'll be able to bounce back that quickly against the Mavs. And so last night, after the uh, Memphis Grizzlies games, I mean, I wish it could have been a win to, you know, commemorate the Tony Parker celebration last night. But mm-hmm. last night that occurred, Tony Parker getting his jersey retired and um, finally cementing the big three up in the rafters of Tim, Tony, and Manu. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't really get emotional in these types of retirement things, but just going back and watching old highlights of Tony Parker, it really... It, it made me feel bad for dragging him as much as I did in his last couple years in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for, you know... The how, reason why how quickly I, you forget what he did. The re- Yeah, the reason why I dragged on him so hard was because he was, like, the last person in the league to um, adjust his game to fit where the league was going. Like, he was a... He was, you know, in his prime, he was probably the fastest guard in the league, but he had already lost a step, was getting beat, didn't have a three-point shot, and he just... Um, he was always an easy target on defense. But, man, in his prime... Man, he ran the floor as good as anybody did. He was able to score in the paint like just as well as Shaq did in his prime. Mm-hmm. Like, um, man, he just always beat people to the punch. That teardrop, <laughs> that yeah, teardrop, the teardrop that he had. The you know the mid range jumper, just um, you know coming out of nowhere, just having his um, twenty um, getting picked. I think he was picked twenty sixth overall. And um, I was reading a good story about how he uh, came really close to um, being drafted by Boston, but that it was um, old uh, Celtics coach Red Auerbach. It was his genius "Make America Great Again" idea that he that he does not that the Celtics pass on him because he did not trust. Uh, that was a that Frenchman. was at the eight, a French yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, 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 that was. I mean, I mean. And, you know, not to completely put it on him, but that was during a state in the league where, you know, they just did not scout European prospects that efficiently. And, um, you know, people kind of stuck to their guns with um, Americans. And uh, if he he was, they were very much, it got to the point where I think Tony said that where he was in the draft room, they had called him over because they thought Boston was going to pick him, but then they decided against it. And then it ended up being San Antonio who picked him. Wow, thanks a lot, Red. <laughs> and so, man, I just... I know that it's not going to be considered among, like, the greatest stretch in NBA history because you have the Jordan Bulls, you have, you know, you have the Bill Russell Celtics, you have the Magic Lakers, things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, and you have the 2000s Lakers at that, too, but... Man, this really puts into perspective just like how dominant and how lucky we were to have 
those three guys around for as long of a stretch as we did. The winning, the trio in the league with the most wins in NBA history, you know, it, it, it you know, it resulted in what they had five championships total and four with them three around. And, um, but I man. still think, I still think like, I really don't, this is me personally. I don't really count the Bill Russell Celtics just because of the lack of competition it was back then. Obviously, the Jordan Bulls are the are the greatest ones. Um, yeah, no, fuck no, man. Those people in the fifties, they like people who like smoked at a gas station outside the street. Just put yeah, on, exactly. Put on their Chuck Taylors and you Ex- know exactly. So I wouldn't count them too much. But honestly, I mean, because you you mentioned yeah, well, because there's also the two thousand Lakers. I think the 2000 Spurs were phenomenal. We won in 99. We won in, what, 03 was the next yeah. one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then 05 and 07? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that's a, that is that right there in six years or in seven years? Yeah, I was referring more to the three-peat that they had from 2000 to 2002. Because um, there wasn't really, oh, yeah. in the long run, like as a whole, you look back on these 15, 20 years and the Spurs had more success, but there was never a stretch where they were as hot as those Lakers were. Yeah, okay, I feel that. So now let me ask you this. If we didn't get Tony Parker and the Celtics did, do you think that we still have the same dynasty today that we had? Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, I don't I, think so either. I think that had to be a machine. Like that was a, it fit perfectly together, all, all of those pieces. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's bizarre looking back at the Spurs history and thinking about, like, how much came into luck. Like, not just with being able to get the guys, but the guys being, like, so open to criticism and teamwork and, you know, being able to stick around, take pay cuts, Mm -hmm. appreciate the city, appreciate the team. Like, man, like, it's going to, I mean, it's depressing to think about, but I don't think we're ever going to have a stretch like that again. No, like, and that's three guys who had every reason to ask for another dollar and no will to do it. I mean, they they could have asked for whatever want they wanted, and it would have put us in a hole. We would have we wouldn't have been able to pay them all, but they could have gotten it somewhere else, and they didn't. There was the one big scare with Timmy going to Orlando um, early in his career. He ended up saying, "These guys are three of the most selfless superstars." Because make no mistake about it. They were superstars. They are legends. Um, three of the most selfless that I've ever he- seen and that we probably will never see again. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, if these guys can come together and make that happen, that would be amazing. But, again, that comes with a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just puts things into perspective. And uh, I'm just it made me really appreciative of this past 15 or so years that we had of being being fans of them because you know through the, through the ups and downs like there's not I don't think there's a team in that era that has been more successful than they are no I completely agree yeah so they're not the most traditional dynasty but a dynasty nonetheless yeah absolutely mercy Tony merci and so, <laughs> and so now moving on to a team that is absolutely terrible and has had nobody over the last 15, 20 years do anything for them. Uh, the New York Knicks, who uh, I <laughs> who I noted, uh, Knicks hold press conference for being bad, which is absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> what did um, they say? Um, like, why? They, they were just like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they um, On Sunday, they lost by 21 to the Cavs. And wow. after... And after that, they after that game they dropped to two and eight, and after that, um, the Knicks president Steve Mills held a press conference that was not expected. He just chose after the game to speak to the media, in which he was talking about how, even though they're not happy with where they are, that you know they're you know they still have faith in the direction of the team moving forward. They think that they have, um, you know, the overall talent on the roster to warrant the team bouncing back and improving. And all the while, um, there are being reports outside of that press conference of the team already angling to get their head coach, Dave Fisdale, fired. 
Oh my god. And so, of course, this is what happens with every GM who, every GM and president who is tasked with putting the team together is that when it doesn't work, you don't blame yourself because you're so smart. You put that team together. You blame the coach because he is not smart enough to put all the pieces together. Even though they spent this summer and pretty much all of last season thinking that they were going to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and they end and up the number with, one pick. Yeah, <laughs> and they end up with and they end up with uh, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, <laughs> and they have like. Six power forwards on the team, and like none of them are getting along or are happy with their role. <laughs> I'm so and glad Marcus Morris is part of that. I know, right? Like, <laughs> God, like I know, like he went there for the money, but God, I bet he has to be thinking about going to San Antonio. Just like, man, this could have been a lot better. I could have yeah, gone to a team that actually knows what the fuck they're doing. And that, that um, was such a like hero to zero that whole draft moment for the Knicks, like. They were the favorites. There was no way the Pelicans should have gotten that. Like, the odds were ridiculous. Yeah. And they had the world on a string, and then just later, they lost it all. I know. It's And they keep on... And they keep on insisting that they are a star destination. Like, they signed all these guys to short-term deals so they can try again later whenever they're, free, they're star free agents on the market again. But that's never going to happen. And I think um, they interviewed Kevin Durant a few weeks ago, and he kind of uh, put it, you know, pretty perfectly, was that the current stars in the league did not grow up with New York being good. So they don't think about bringing the Knicks back to glory because the Knicks' glory years were, like, in the 80s. And so, like, it was, like, way before... Like, these guys, the guys coming into the league now are... You know we're older than them, so they came in. They came into the league like, you know, worshiping LeBron and like seeing the last years of Kobe. And um, you know these are guys who, you know, when we grew, when we grew up, Michael Jordan was on his way out, mm-hmm. and then these guys are growing up and you know didn't get to see him. Period. They you know are having to look up YouTube highlights of him because they just didn't know who the guy was, and so. Um, it's just, uh, and I mean, that's part of it too with New York. They, they have no they, desire. Yeah, I mean, okay, so if yeah, if they didn't see Michael Jordan, there's fucking no way they saw Patrick Ewing. Like, there's, you know, they they have no desire to want to go to to uh, the New York because, and then I guarantee you, if you ask half of these kids that are in the league now, they don't even know what Knicks is short for. Like they have no idea what a knickerbocker is or why they're called that or what. And and why should they? Because like even exactly. if they did. And why? And even if they did watch those like '90s Knicks with Patrick Ewing, I mean, they were never that good either. They made they were constantly being beat in the Eastern Conference playoffs by the Bulls and Pacers. They made it to the finals one year where the Spurs stomped them four games to one, and um, you know there's nothing of significance in New York. It's purely them getting by on saying, "Hey, we're New York. Eventually, somebody is going to want to come to New York City." <laughs> And which is not the case because they can just go down the street to Brooklyn. It's like yeah. that was my whole thing last year. Is that before they even signed in Brooklyn? I was, like the all of last year. I was like, I just didn't understand. Like, why are all the rumors saying Kyrie and Kevin Durant to New York? Like, they could still be in New York, just in Brooklyn, and have a much better situation. Which turned out exactly to be the case. And so. I don't know. They really need to hope that R.J. Barrett becomes a star. They really need to hope that their other younger guys develop because they need to work on their internal growth before they're thinking about getting another star. So what do you what do you think? They should change their name to, like, the Manhattan Knicks or, like, the <laughs> the Bronx or something like that. Like, they got to they gotta rebrand, man. And, and actually, you know, it sucks because, yeah, R.J. Barrett is stuck in that mix-up. Um, he was my pick for rookie of the year, so I hope he does get it together. Uh, he has been really good. I think he's definitely in contention for rookie of the year. That guy's been really good to start off the year. Yeah, I didn't so think that he, he I didn't, can revive them. Yeah, I didn't think that he would, you know, come out of the gates the way that he has, but it's been it's been really entertaining to watch him thus far. Um I like him a lot and who knows, maybe he is the person to turn the Knicks around. But again, that's that's what they thought of Kristaps and look where that got them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then now he's in paradise over there with Luca. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, speaking of Luca, 
I had here, what what did I put down here? I put, I think I put, is Luca? yeah, is Luca already a top 10 player in the league? And so we already, we already know that Luca is really, really good. But have you looked up his stats? Do you know what he's averaging? I do, I do not know what he's averaging. He's averaging in 34 minutes and 48% shooting, he's averaging 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 9 assists. 28 10 wow really he's almost averaging a triple double and not a russell westbrook triple double a real triple double yeah <laughs> wow that's not see i didn't know that but i mean i don't know it's it's early it's early in the season i don't know if i'm ready to call him a top 10 player in the league that i think there's 10 players that are better than him right now He's he's approach if he's not in there he's approaching them fast like like let's say okay so if not top ten where do you, where do where do you put the stop at top fifteen top twenty I I I think top fifteen would be respectful to him and still the rest of the league I, without trying to be to disrespect him then yeah I'll go ahead and say top fifteen. I feel like that should be like his floor right now. Like I don't see any conversations about him being below fifteen, and I think, I think he's gonna start making his way towards the top ten and even towards the very top of the league really soon. Like this guy, this guy does everything. Like it's so crazy to think about because, man, and I mean I've 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 said this many times before already. It's like I have been a huge fan of Luca ever since he became a. Uh, before he came to the NBA, and I did not expect this out of him. Like, it's been nuts seeing Luka be as dominant as he is, and he's just, every night, you, you don't know what you're in for. And then now that he has Kristaps with him, Kristaps, who has also been really good, has had some off games, and they're, he's also going through a load, load management kind of thing like DeJounte. But if he's able to get back to full recovery... Uh, he's like the perfect complimentary player to go along with Luca. Just like Luca can have free reign of the offense, uh, KP can can stretch the floor, and um, you know take advantage of mismatches. You know they they, they both have really great size. Luca is like a six eight point guard, and Kristaps is like a is like seven three, and he can shoot from three shoot from the logo. There's like no way to defend that. And um, man, Dallas Dallas is good. I think that they're, they're they're making a case more and more about getting into the playoffs. And, so, uh, do you take the Mavericks to take a playoff spot or or the Suns? I see you might be trending upwards on the Suns. Yeah, because the Suns, man, the Suns. It's so weird to think of them as like actually being a decent team now because um, originally I had, um, well, I think I still have it. If it I, the other questions I had were: Are Phoenix good and are the Nets bad? Because the Phoenix beat the Suns by 26 yesterday. And they are... Wait, they wait, who, miss... who beat the Suns by 26? Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, the, the Phoenix beat the Nets by oh, 26 okay. yesterday. And, um, yeah, Phoenix beat the Nets by 26. They don't even miss DeAndre Ayton at all. Aaron Baines has been amazing. Have you seen any of this Aaron Baines nonsense? I, I haven't watched it, but I, like I haven't watched any of their games, but I have heard that he is going crazy right now. He is going fucking nuts. Like he is riding off this wave that he had in FIBA where he was like the best big man. He's averaging 16 points, six rebounds on 59% shooting and 47 from three. Aaron Baines. This guy, and only in 24 minutes, too. Like, this guy is killing it. It's so crazy to me how much he has been blossoming in Phoenix. And it felt, he kind of felt like a, like a, like a throwaway piece. Like, just sent him to Phoenix just to, for salary purposes. But now all of a sudden, he's becoming a really, really good starting center and is like a been a very great complimentary piece to the rest of the Phoenix roster, especially, um, you know, Devin Booker, who we already know is a great player and Ricky Rubio, who is playing the best that he has, like, you know, ever since like his more like prime Minnesota years. And, um, he's like shooting the best that he has in years. He had 22 points and 12 assists in that win against the Nets. 
and um, you know he's able to run the, he's able to run the floor and manage the offense and take the load off of Devin Booker so Devin Booker can you know do what he does best and score and um and, and I don't just to just to give a a better picture for those of you who who don't remember Aaron Baines or don't believe that these numbers are that great his you said he was averaging 15 like 16 points a game about uh-huh. six rebounds, three assists, right? So that doesn't sound phenomenal. But this is a veteran who's been in the league for a long time, and his best season statistically was in 2014 when he won the championship with the Spurs. And at, in that year, five years ago, five years younger, he was averaging 6.6 points a game, 4.5 rebounds, and a half an assist. Yeah. He's yeah, he... doubling and tripling some of his – best year ever yeah i it's i had no clue that he still had this in the tank like i've always been um you know happy with him i always thought that he was a good center but i never thought that he had this in him and when i ask you know are the is phoenix actually good is because right now they are sixth at six and three and um i don't and they've also they've already like taken down some um you know pretty competitive teams like they gave uh they gave the clippers their first loss they gave the sixers their first loss um let me see who else i'm trying to pull up their schedule now they're trying to pull up their schedule now but it's been um you know the the wins that they've had are not cheap wins against you know mm-hmm. against the bottom ranks of the teams like these are actually good wins and um, yeah, they're at six and three, sitting in the sixth spot right now. But they're only a game behind the number one Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, they beat the they beat the Nets, Sixers, Grizzlies, Warriors, Clippers, and Kings. And um, they their losses were against Denver in overtime, the Jazz by one, and the Heat by sixteen. And so. I, th- I mean, this could just be a flash-in-the-pan thing, just like, you know, beginner's luck, just like a trend that we may not see last the first 10 games of the season. But it's really weird to think about because they're starting to have the makings of an act- of a functional team. I mean, again, we'll see how this lasts, but if there's anybody who can sneak in and, um, you know, make things more competitive, like we, I already said before that I think the Mavs are going to come in and take the spot that would have been sealed by the Warriors, but... Now I think like the other teams in the bottom of the rankings need to be thinking more about Phoenix. That you know that goes for the the Wolves, the Spurs, the Blazers. Like these are teams that it, you know if this trend continues with Phoenix, they got to think about you know they got to be more concerned about getting into the playoffs. Yeah, that's it's looking scary right now. We're in the I know it's only ten games in, but we're in the ninth seed right now. We are not in. In the running for the playoffs. Well, in the running, but not in the group of the playoffs right now. We are only a couple games behind. But, yeah, the Suns, I I hadn't been paying attention to them like much of the NBA fan base, I'm sure, outside of Arizona. Uh, But, yeah, actually, I mean, it would be fun. It would be fun to see a team like that uh, start clicking and start doing well, especially with Aaron Baines at the center. That's that's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's always a team or two that comes out and surprises people. And um, I guess we just, I mean, because we're not used to seeing the Suns this good. And so we just have to wait it out and see if this is something that, you know, if this is really who the Suns are or if this is just, you know, just an early streak and they're going to come back down to earth. But who knows? Okay. All right. Um, let me see. Anything else you wanted to cover? No, no. I think I think that's going to be it for me for, for this subject. Okay. All right, then. Okay, well, I think that just about does it for this episode of Double Shot Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week, hopefully, to talk about the Spurs bouncing back from this past week. And Um, the Cowboys taking a strong lead. Yeah, that and Cowboys holding on to the playoff picture for dear life. Um, Okay, so, again, I'm JP. That's Hector. This has been Double Shot. We'll see you next week. Later.